Arizona iced tea with lemon flavor, the classic Arizona, the one we all know and love. I'm Jesse from the internet. This is the latest edition of the Casual Die Hard podcast. Uh, usually our F1 slot, but it is not F1 season, so I got the regular standard Arizona. We got a very New York heavy show today because what I've got on my list is uh, Yanks, Mets, Knicks, and the Jets and Giants somehow in December in this season. So what is going on? We've got Addy from the internet. Addy, you are here as usual. How are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I opened my can too early. I have a La Colum vanilla latte, and it's delicious as ever. I have not yet gotten around to those yet. I need to make a bodega trip in the morning, perhaps after dropping the kids off at school. And... First time today, we've got Ace here from the internet. Ace, uh, what is your preferred Arizona iced tea flavor? Not a sponsor think... of this show, so uh, the, the one you're drinking. Try to get. Yeah, no, the the classic, the iced tea, uh, lemon joint. I actually don't even remember the other flavors. <laughs> I think that's the been the staple of my entire life uh, in New York City. Getting that and a bacon egg and cheese to be super. Oh. Okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> what is your bacon egg and cheese on? Oh, a roll. Just a roll. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Beautiful. Real classic. I love, love that. Yeah. Jesse, what do you eat a bacon egg and cheese on? I like to get an everything bagel because the bagel place uh, does a really awesome bacon egg and cheese. Um, if I'm, I'm also an everything. Bit. I'm also an everything bagel, bacon egg and cheese. I eat one pretty much every day. One of my favorite foods in the world. It's beautiful. We love that. And, um, well, Ace and I love the New York Knicks. Uh, <laughs> Addy, you, you are not uh, traditionally a basketball fan. Are you nominally a jazz fan? I am nominally a jazz fan, but um, I am really – hang on. I needed to have this joke ready um, earlier. I am really um, a fan of JD and the Straight Shot. <laughs> I just think it's like one of the funniest things in the, in all of basketball that Nick's owner, Mr. James Dolan, has this like shitty band. And um, that's kind of like the only Nick's thing I'm invested in is, is him being horrible and having this horrible band. I eagerly await their residency at the Sphere. A hundred percent. Well, as you said yesterday, Jesse, you know, one of our topics today is that we've got to plan the parade. And my first thought was we got to get JD and the straight shots out there leading the charge. <laughs> Doing a solo at City Hall, Eric Adams coming over to feature. You know, I'm, I am okay with the Knicks not being a title contender right now because we got to get this dude out of office first and get yeah. a real mayor to, to host the parade. <laughs> so last night the Knicks played the Jazz and I I felt like turning the game off with six minutes to go and I should have when they fell behind by 13 I was like I've had enough of this they're missing all their shots they're... but for the first time in a long time um I got sucked in by the fake Knicks comeback. They really made me believe. And they got a shot to tie the game. Uh, they had two looks. I don't know why you draw up a look for Josh Hart to take a not corner three on a night when he hasn't been making a damn thing. I appreciate the bring Julius Randle into the middle of the court, kick it out. Um, Emmanuel quickly was brought onto the floor. And this has become like the, the main centerpiece of Nick's Twitter today as, as like 
this beautiful, beautiful young man, Emmanuel Quickly, who we love so much, who just does nothing but make shots and play hard. And Tom Thibodeau should love him. And yet, what's the deal? Yeah. It's like, I think he was just so distracted by the fact that Taj Gibson was eminent that he just couldn't think straight yesterday. That's like the only explanation that I could think of, but (laughs) it is like painful to watch their offense lately. A little bit less painful than watching how they've actually played defense, which is like not at all, but quickly... I fear is on his way out a lot sooner than the summer. I think that they have been playing him pretty limited minutes for a reason. And I feel like it's like a conspiracy that I've kind of come to accept, which is that they are just trying to keep him healthy for a potential trade coming up, um, which sucks because quickly is probably my favorite Nick of the last few years. Like he is just so fun to watch. And they are going to ship him off for, like, some random wing that's going to forget how to shoot threes when he comes to New York. So, yeah. I actually didn't even watch the game last night. (laughs) I just decided to play video games instead. I I didn't watch it. Wow. What video games are you playing? I So, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Undertale, which was a game that came out, like, in 20... 15 i feel like i was still in college when it came out i played it on steam on my super old mac that like has since died um it was so much fun it's just like a scroll game um and i found it on switch the other day and i asked my fiance i was like if you have to get me like anything for christmas can you please buy this 15 dollar game <laughs> on, on the nintendo <laughs> shop and she was like sure <laughs> awesome <laughs> you just saved me so much money um and so i've just been playing that and i played that instead of watching the game um i saw the reactions this morning on nick's twitter like you mentioned jesse and i am not engaging <laughs> but yeah it's not worth it's it i it's a funny thing for me with with the Knicks because like my fandom of them has like had such a a wild ride over my lifetime and like them being the team that I never ever covered and kind of stayed a fan of through my years of being a big J journalist. Um, I think we're now small J journalists if we're going to do like what we do here. Addy, does that feel fair? Yeah, that feels totally fair to me. Um, It's actually such a healthier place to be, too. (laughs) It really is. It really so is. Like, there's so much pretending. And we can get to that. You know, why don't we we just go ahead to that now? Because I'll I'll tie up the Knicks with, with this for now. Which is, the thought that I had was, like, this is the fake Knicks comeback. And, and I didn't even, like, realize that I had uh, been suckered in by a fake Knicks comeback until I saw online somebody was like, classic fake Knicks comeback. And I was like, it was! <laughs> the Mets do that shit all the time, too. They um, sure do. It, it's exactly the same. It's the, the open look for the three to tie the game is the same damn thing as we're going to bring the tying run up to the plate in the bottom of the ninth inning that happens all the time. Um, but the difference is the Mets don't get to choose who's up in that situation. (laughs) Tom Thibodeau can draw up a goddamn play. He can choose who's going to take that shot. And you wrote, you pick the fifth best guy on the floor to make that play. Yeah. That's a two special. What I, I, (laughs) and this... Overall, I still believe that Tibbs is a good coach for this Knicks team because he gets, like, they're a team that's more than the sum of its parts, and he's a coach who makes teams more than the sum of their parts. But, oh my goodness, there is a point every single season where I am ready to launch this dude into outer space. And... It's 
it's remarkably uh, hypocritical of me to say this, but a lot of it uh, also comes down to beard maintenance. When he's looking like he is right now with the thing kind of grown out a little bit too far and he's starting a West Coast trip, I, I'm afraid that he is going to get um, a little teen wolfy, a little bald teen wolfy out there um, on the West Coast. He just started like that. He, he, that's not a guy who looks good with facial hair. Yeah. Um, it makes him look dumber and it makes me angrier at him. <laughs> and it's like the, this time comes around every year. I'm just done with the dude. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, an, I, it's such a weird spot. Cause it's like, and, and the Mets are kind of in this place too, where it's like, something's got to give because you're. I guess it did happen with the Mets. They fired Buck. They brought in Carlos Mendoza to say this is going to be the guy that, you know, brings us to the next step. Well, I will say I think that the comparison, the, the best comparison to the Mets is is actually with relief pitchers. Like, that is a place where you do get to pick who's up. And you, like, 100% I've hit the point every year with them where I'm like, what the actual fuck is happening here? Like, I can pick which pitcher. Like, I could do this job better. And and so that, you know, that is a deeply relatable feeling in, in that sense. Um, for, for sure. <laughs> I just... I, I don't know how to process it and how to like deal with because this is you know this is a thing is like growing up it was like all right title push that's either the team is going to stink or if you're going to be in the playoffs you know you want to you want to be pushing for a championship and like yeah Tosh Gibson back plan the parade I'm you know I'd love to see it happen but I'm I know that the Knicks are not they're not there like they're still no. a at least a trade away. And I'm sad that it's looking more and more like it's going to be one of my favorite players that goes in mail quickly. Um, honestly, I think that, you know, the, the deal has still got to be that it's Julius Randall who goes because we've seen it. We've seen what he does in the playoffs. He's, he's the guy that gets you to the second round at best. And you need the top dude who like, is slamming down those Jalen Brunson feeds yeah. and playing an inside outside game that, that Randall it's, he just plays a different game than is going to work for the rest of the cast that they have to get to the next level. And it's just like something's got to give. And it's like the 2024 Mets too are like, they're probably going to be a pitcher or two away. Um, I mean, they're a pitcher or two away before somebody gets hurt. Yeah. <laughs> And now Mitchell Robinson is hurt for the Knicks. And I'm just, I just, I know that that brought back Tosh Gibson, but yeah, Mitch is my favorite of the last, like, cause he's Love the dude him. that like they drafted, they developed, you could see it all coming together. And then it finally does start to come together. He's leading the league in offensive rebounds. He's finally starting to figure out how to close out dudes that can stretch the floor. And then he breaks his ankle. What the hell? Ace, who's your favorite current Nick? Oh, my God. It, I think it would have to be Quickly, to be honest. Quickly just does, like, the little things that I love to see in a player. Like, my favorite player, like, archetype has always been, like, scrappy, does it all, um, will be out there until, like, blood is drawn type player. Um, Beautiful. And that is Quickly. Like, Quickly is very much that type of player. Um and so I get the outrage <laughs> on Nick's Twitter today because all I've seen since I opened my eyes this morning was we need to fire Tom Thibodeau into the sun because he only played <laughs> quickly for 18 minutes in a game against the Jazz. <laughs> and first of all, the Jazz aren't the Jazz of last year. Like they do have some more interesting things going on this season compared to last season. I kind of enjoy watching them a little bit more. Um, Lori Markinen is a beast and I love Keontae George. So like 
there I knew that the Knicks were going to be in trouble in some sense. Um, I don't think playing quickly more would have solved a lot. <laughs> what I was hearing was happening during that game, especially with RJ Barrett, who's like the most disappointing player for me on the Knicks. But yeah, quickly is definitely my favorite. I love him to death and it's going to be really sad when he inevitably like gets uh, poached by like the Spurs or the magic. I really hope it's not the magic, <laughs> but yeah. How would you describe, so did you grow up a Knicks fan? Yeah, um, I grew up a Knicks fan. I grew up a Yankees fan because I'm from the Bronx. So like that was just like inevitable. Um, grew up a Jets fan. So I guess outside of the Yankees, I was just like subjected to suffering for my entire childhood, um, especially with the Knicks. And yeah, they, I think, reeled me back in with the uh, the RJ draft with signing Julius Randle um, after I had kind of like lost interest for a few years. Um, but wow, yeah, they just continue to sort of like disappoint me, <laughs> which is why I decided to write about them. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's been my team. Um, since I was a kid, for sure. I think I started watching them when I was around like 10 or 11. So like Raymond Felton days, uh, David Lee days around that time of the Knicks era. So how? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you got, like, I feel like I at least got to experience two finals trips. Um, oh, man. I wish. That'd be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so I'll ask this question to both of you in that case. How would you describe your relationship to the Knicks at this point in your life? (laughs) Uh. It's healthier than it's been maybe ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. And like this and and like what we do here is is part of that. It's just like the general approach that I take to sports fandom is better. Um, I was able to turn off that game last night and not be. Not feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I went outside, I took a walk and like, you know, like I do when I turn off a game. And yeah. by the time I'm done walking around the block after watching a game, I've moved on to something else. Um, I feel like that's, you know, if it's if it's a good game and I enjoyed it and I liked it, then I will um, not flush the feelings the same way. But ultimately I think I had to make a choice that like, I'm not going to let Tom Thibodeau being an idiot, like ruin my life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I agree with that. I feel like for me, it's very similar. I think in the, what was that season? It was the one I think after the Hawk series where like they were anticipated to like be about the same, but then they ended up being worse. <laughs> than mm-hmm. they were. Um, I think that's when I realized like, I cannot place like any expectations really on this team until they make that big, you know, superstar trade or move Um, because they could just be mid and that's just like, I have to live with that and that's fine. Like there's still good things to pluck from that. Um, That season really opened my eyes to, to that similar realization of like, there's nothing I can do. Like, Sometimes he's going to, like, play Julius Randle for 48 minutes, even though he's, like, not playing defense and, like, clearly got hurt halfway through the game and is, like, shooting six for 21. Like, there's nothing I can do about that. Um, Yeah. So not negative. (laughs) Not (laughs) negative. I relate so much to, like, I relate so much to that sense. I think it's so real about, like, being at some point in, like, sports fandom unless you're, like, I don't know. I was going to say, like, a Boston sports fan. But even then, there's probably, like, an element of this happening right now for them that's just, like, 
at some point you have to decide I can't ruin your life anymore. Like I really hit that point with the Mets last summer at one point. I was just like, I can't, like, I can't let this ruin my life anymore. I will, you know, and we've joked a million times on this show that then I made the really less life ruining choice of getting really into Scuderia Ferrari, which I just let ruin my life over and over and over again. But it's so – but it, it's also interesting that Brit is in this place where she's like, I'm done letting Ferrari ruin my life. It's just like <laughs> such a – it's like such a fascinating point to hit as a sports fan. And I think it's like – I think there's this like – I'm curious for both of you like as Knicks fans what you think of this. There's this like culture I think of sports fandom that it's like you have to suffer. It's like you're a bad sports fan if you're not suffering. I think New York sports, particularly like the Mets, Knicks – Jets Islanders contingent of New York sports have a really strong vein of that. Like you're not real if you're not letting this like just pummel you every day. Yeah. That's like <laughs> Nick's Twitter in a nutshell. Like that's so I think the yep. advent of spaces on Twitter was like a big mistake. That was like the biggest <laughs> mistake for humanity <laughs> since I don't like name any other like historical event. Twitter spaces are the epitome of I am going to like verbally abuse you <laughs> for hours about that very thing like about I'm going to be really negative about this team because I care those are 99% of like Nick's Twitter spaces um, I feel like with the Jets it's more like we have suffered for so long that it's sort of like that meme <laughs> of the brain that's becoming like more enlightened <laughs> it's like the jets are bad and then it goes through the motions and then it's like the jets are bad like but in a way like it's a positive thing so that's where i'm at with like jets fandom <laughs> with the Knicks, they have not gotten there yet like they are still in that point of like we're like you said like the suffering is going to be proof that we really do care about this team um, which does suck because the Knicks aren't even that bad. Like they're they're fine. It's just that compared to the upper echelon of like, I guess like the East, so the Bucks and the Celtics, they're they look pretty shitty, but they're not that bad. They're just going through something. <laughs> they're not that bad. They're just going through something. Well, I will say one thing I love about New York sports, and one thing that I love deeply about being a Mets fan is that sense that it's like no, we should be the best. Like, we should be the best. And there's no complacency with, with New York sports fandom. And I love that. Like, I think we should be demanding the best from our, from our sports teams. I, I go, go. I loved, I absolutely loved, and this goes back to the next game last night. So much of that, and, and I was thinking about how people talk about the New York media and the way that it shapes things. And I think that people think of that as meaning the tabloids, but right. really it's the announcers like Mike Breen. And I don't, I'm not sure who was doing the color last night because I thought it was Wally Zerbiak, but Wally Zerbiak was in the studio. So it wasn't him. And I didn't recognize the voice. Um, it was, I'm, I'm not sure. Kenny, it could have been. I feel like it's the other dude that usually does Kenny Albert. But um, now Kenny Albert, it, no, it was Mike Breen doing the play-by-play. So I don't know who else does color. For but that. he was partnered with, with somebody. But whatever it is, whether it's Mike and Wally, Mike and Clyde, Mike and whoever was doing the game last night, and the same in the Mets, the Mets booth with Gary Keith and Ron, they call them out when they are playing like shit because they respect the audience enough to recognize these guys are playing like shit. Right. And they're gonna be like last night, you know, you're hearing on the broadcast, the effort just hasn't been there for the next tonight. Going to the loose balls. They're miss missing shots that they usually make. They gotta figure out how to stop this defense. There's another team that's making all kinds of threes on their heads. Like Keith will call out the bad fundies on the Mets game. You know, Love it. that is not something that you get in other markets like and it's true it's it's boston philly and here are the places where the announcers will get on your ass 
Um, Such a good point, Jesse. It really is. People constantly say like, oh, the media market in New York, it's so intense, la, la, la. And like, sure, of course, you're going to get like a a bad punny headline on the back page of the New York Post when the Mets collapse. But like – with all respect to the New York Post, like that's not actually setting the tone, especially at this moment in our like media, you know, atmosphere. Yeah. You're absolutely right that it's like, you know, and again, I keep going back to the Mets because, you know, that's a that's my baseline for this. But like at the SNY booth sets the tone of how we're talking about the team, how we're feeling about them. Obviously, there's, you know, people who have a range of emotions, like there – but like the, it's it's absolutely right that that's it. It's like when Gary is like, this team's a mess. They're not playing well. They haven't made the deals that they need to make. It, you know, and, 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 and I do feel that to not do that, to not broadcast like that is actually bad fundies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't listen to the to the Yankee broadcast very much anymore because I don't want to hear John Flaherty making excuses for flat sliders. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't even know if I, I – I'll be honest. I didn't really watch them last year. <laughs> as soon as Aaron Judge got hurt, I was like, cool, I will retire from, like, Yankees fandom for this season, and then we'll see what they do next season. I'll definitely be watching games now, but I – have never been a fan of either booth, <laughs> either WFAN I, or the S network. Like I just don't love how they call it. like I've always been jealous of the Mets's like <laughs> booth because I'm like, these guys like have fun with what they're talking about, good or bad. The Yankees booth is just like very like vanilla. Like it's just so bland and just you don't learn anything about the team from listening to them. And it's weird too because michael k then has a radio show for three hours a day or whatever where he actually has like personality yeah (laughs) and that's not my it's not my cup of tea because sports talk radio just isn't but yeah like it's 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 so bland i i disagree about the radio for the yankees i actually love them to death because it's not – I will listen to a Yankee game, and I can't visualize it really at all, but I know exactly what is happening. Because John Sterling is not going to tell you exactly what's happening. He's he's all vibes. Like, he, it's yeah. entirely – it's <laughs> such a weird thing. Like, he's just like this booming voice, and it's all vibes. And – Susan is like a perfect compliment and foil to him after all these years. And they've got this like old married couple fetching energy that. And especially when, when it's bad, like they like, the Yankees just cannot get the hit with runners in scoring position. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I do have to say Arizona. I, I have to say is I'm so thankful and that you have said that you're jealous of the Mets booth because I hold that as like that is like the only thing that keeps me above water, you know, like especially when the Yankees are good and the Mets are bad and I like interact with Yankees fans. I'm like, you know, I just think it's really sad for you that you have such a bad broadcast booth <laughs> and we have the best one in baseball. So, you know, like that 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 just keeps me above water when when I've got nothing else left. <laughs> That is so real. Like, they definitely <laughs> have a lot more fun, definitely, than the Yes booth. And, yeah, no, like, the Knicks at least have Mike Breen. Like, that's, like, I love Mike Breen. And mm-hmm. that is probably the only reason that I will stay tuned into games, especially if it's, like, a blowout or just, like, things aren't going well and you know it's going to be, like, a very Nixian loss. Um, mm-hmm. he keeps me inter- interested in like, you know, interacting with the game itself, um, despite what I'm watching the actual product turn out to be. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do love Mike Brain. He is great. And like you said, he's definitely like a very objective dude when it comes to the Knicks. Yeah. And I mean, the Knicks also like they had Marv Albert before and they've got Kenny, like they've always had these voices. I think that like the one time that 
the one time that James Dolan showed that he has learned ever is like obviously Marv never came back, but like the backlash from getting rid of Marv Albert um, stuck that like we'll take we'll take a lot of shit, but you're not going to ruin our experience of watching this team. Yeah. And, you know, we've had Mike Breen and he's obviously yeah the, the best in the game uh, for a reason. And I appreciate that. I think so let's talk about being jealous of broadcasts. I think that we share all together in a jealousy of the Los Angeles Dodgers and uh, the fact that they will have Shohei Otani for the next 10 years. I don't even care about the financial part of it. That's all other people's business and money is fake. Um, that's exactly how I feel, Jesse. And I will, okay, I will just unless say. Unless you want to send some to us, in which case right. go to, right now, um, I don't know, go, go to casualdiehard.com. I'll point it at something. Uh, I'll point it at our Knicks uh, Kanish t-shirt. With a <laughs> real Kanish from um, Jonas Schimmel's on Houston Street that I then added a Knicks-ish logo on. And I love the t-shirt. Um, and it just says Kanish in the old style Knicks font over the Kanish. Uh, so go to casualdiehard.com. It will eventually be our home for all the stuff that we do um, and are going to do going forward. But for now, it'll be a condition uh, shirt on the Willis Penn site. I, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Here's my thing. Here's all I have to say about the like money part of it all. I think that people are – like deeply overreacting like everyone being like oh my god this is gonna break baseball like yeah i'm just like this is shohei otani like i just don't think that this is gonna become like a normal deal normal thing to do with other players like we're dealing with like the reincarnation of babe ruth like i just think people are being so dramatic about it and like I just want everyone to be honest that we're all just mad that he went to the Dodgers. Like, it fucking sucks. It's the most boring, most predictable, most, like, yeah, of course, no, duh, thing of all time. And it's just, like, not interesting. And it's, like, no one's favorite team except for all those boring Dodgers fans. And it's just, like, I just want everyone to be honest that it's just, like, we're just mad about how this shook out instead of being, like, I just really think that the deferment is going to ruin the whole sport. Like, whatever. I don't know. That's my two cents. Maybe that's a bad take. No, that's exactly how I feel. Like, I really could give two fucks about how much money, like you said, the best player ever is getting from a team. It's just the fact that, like, now... I think the only part of the money thing that I care about is just like it's kind of annoying that now they could sign like every free agent all-star under the sun before the start of the season and like they'll be fine. That's more where I'm just feeling petty and upset about because I'm like I'm a Yankees fan. So it's like I come to feel like, you know, we are the evil empire or whatever, sometimes taking it too literally at that weird Henry Kissinger post but like Uh (laughs) I'm expecting them to drop a bag on literally anybody and everybody available that they need so the fact that the Dodgers are doing it now I'm like oh cool like I get to be a part of like the I hate them for no reason club with other baseball fans but yeah no the money thing is just stupid and if they didn't want that to be a thing they should have put that in the contract that they negotiated so I literally love an honest Yankees fan. Like, I, I, I just, like, love that you're like, no, sorry, we're the ones who were supposed to be doing this weird fuck shit and signing every single, like, expensive free agent, like, illegally. Like, thank you very much. <laughs> we stole our entire flow, like, bar for bar. It's tragic. Super tragic. I do feel vindicated in how the Dodgers have become this boring mega villain team. I I don't feel vindicated. I feel vindication on behalf of my Brooklyn ancestors who were not Dodgers fans. Um, like my dad growing up a Giants fan in Brooklyn. Um, and 
yeah, my great grandfather who was from the Bronx and not uh, a Yankees fan. Um, wow, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that that was, <laughs> but I guess he became a baseball fan sort of because he was born in 1899. So he's growing up in the Bronx. The Giants are actually the team. And like, he's the guy that we bought a brick for outside of city field, um, in his memory. And he's, you know, the reason that we point to as the family sort of being Mets fans, but wait, I want to know where, I want to know where the brick is. I want to go pay my respects next time I'm there. I'll show you. It's, it's near the fire hydrant outside the rotunda. That's so nice. It's right next to one that says Opus the penguin. Okay. Love that. Yeah, I, it's my favorite thing. I leave a, a, a lucky coin there um, for games, and then the Mets usually lose anyway. So um, hey, it's fine. Yeah. Luck is bullshit. Um, <laughs> luck is bullshit until it's not. Uh, is the thing exactly? What I will say also is, I mean, I have hated the Dodgers for so long. Like especially when they had that run. That it was like Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, that like, oh, I think we complained about them all collectively. That it was just like, I hate their fucking faces. Like, it's like you go through that Dodgers lineup and I'm just like, you suck. You have an annoying face. Like, it's like these like frat boys who just are like so annoying. And it like even got to the point when like – and then, like, Trey Turner, who we had to, like, suffer watching, like, beat up on the Mets forever, and he goes to the Dodgers. And it's like, I would rather him be there, but it's like, what a perfect place for him. He fits right in. And it is just – it feels nice to have people, like, on board with it's like, okay, we literally all hate them. They're not just, like, this, like, fun, like, California team that, like, collapses in the playoffs. Like, they're actually evil and we can openly hate them. But it sucks because obviously I love Shohei and I like want the best for him. Like I want him to be somewhere he can win. I want him to like be somewhere where he can get really healthy. I want him to like just smash baseballs and throw 100 miles an hour. Like I I want that for him. And it's really fucking annoying that ultimately it's like the Dodgers are probably a great place for him to do that. Yeah. I think that what – is somewhat redemptive about what is entirely redemptive about baseball that way. And people look at this as a, we spent all of October hearing about how shitty it is that like these hundred win teams didn't get far and blah, 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 blah. The regular season is for determining the best team. That's what determines the best team. And the Dodgers are going to be that. And I will enjoy watching them get baseballed because that's, what's going to happen. They will once again, get baseballed in a short series and it will be beautiful and it will happen to Atlanta too. And I look forward to weird ass flawed teams like the Phillies and God willing the Mets and maybe even the Yankees because they're shaping up that way. Cause I think the Steinbrenners are secretly poor. Um, Love that theory. (laughs) Just, just, come in and get hot and weird just get hot and weird i think that's that's what we're looking for out of this show anyway like every time who is hotter and weirder than charlotte claire (laughs) no one no one my baby boy are you into formula one at all ace i'm not i've never seen any anything about formula one nothing never saw that netflix doc um Okay, you should watch it and come join us again. <laughs> this is te- this is this is technically our vroom vroom show. <laughs> awesome. Okay, I could definitely do that. <laughs> yeah, I Thursday, will just say afternoon recordings have become our uh, Ferrari crying zone. A hundred percent. And I mean, okay, we're just gonna set Formula One to the side. I can't even open that can of worms right now. Um, <laughs> But you're so right, Jesse. It's like that is the gift of baseball. Like it, it's it's the chief complaint about so many people that it's like, no, that's that's the point. Like, of course, the Dodgers are the like one of the best teams in baseball. Of course, the Braves were one of the best teams in baseball last year. The playoffs, as we have, you know, it's not a novel idea, but it's like they aren't determining the best team. They're like a little game that we play at the end that for some reason we think is the answer to that question. 
And it's actually just such a beautiful example of what's wonderful about baseball, which is that it's like gets really fucked up really fast. Weird teams get hot. Great teams get cold. And you just like watch something bizarro happen every time. It's awesome. You're so right. At least we have that to look forward to. We're going to like – it's really going to hurt to listen back to this when the Dodgers win 120 (laughs) games and the World Series. This is going to be the first thing I think of when that happens. A hundred percent. December. See, that's that's where I think um, sports gambling can play a positive role is that, you know, you can – Bet $10 on some long-term thing that you don't really want to happen, like the Dodgers winning, and then, hey, look, the Dodgers won the World Series, and that sucks, but I got 50 bucks now. Yeah, I tried to do that with the uh, the Kings last year. I was like, I'm going to be so rich, and everyone's going to look so dumb when the Sacramento <laughs> Kings win the NBA Finals, um, and I bet like $10 to win like 200 (laughs) then they got eliminated like immediately um but yeah that is one good instance of it i guess yeah not a fan of it but yeah it it has its ups and downs i'm glad that it's um i'm glad it's creating more jobs for people to write that's like there's been a whole a whole industry that has cropped up of just uh folks who you know, do gambling content and good on them. Um. I've been reading a lot of baseball history lately for my book research, obviously. Mm-hmm. And something I am obsessed with is gambling panic in the like uh, early 20th century, early to mid 20th century in baseball. It's like the biggest story for these decades, you know, that culminates with the Black Sox and throwing the World Series and. And we were just the other day watching – my partner and I have taken to watching so much daytime ESPN lately, which is like a whole other conversation. I watch First Take like five days a week at this point. I'm always like we turn on – we turn on First Take and – well, we turn on the TV normally for the last few minutes of Get Up and I'm like don't care about this at all. Then we get to first take and I assess their outfits. I check how Molly's doing. I'm obsessed with Molly. I'm like worried about her. I love (laughs) Molly so much. She takes so much fucking shit from those people. Like, but she can like give it back in a beautiful way. She was giving Stephen A some shit for his outfit the other day. And right as they like were cutting, the show's ending, he's like, she had on like a gorgeous little thing that was like a, um, like a white collar under like over a black sweater kind of situation. She looked really chic, really great. And right as the show ends, she's like giving Stephen A shit for his outfit. And he's like, yeah, you say that when you look like a priest over there. And it like, and then like first take ends for the day. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. She doesn't deserve that. <laughs> At any rate, we're watching a lot of daytime ESPN these days for some reason or another. And Hayden, my partner, remarked to me the other day, like, how much of that is gambling content? It's just so much of it is gambling content. And he was like, it's probably like not a problem, right? That it's like our whole sports media ecosystem has been like gambling newsified. And I was like, let me take you on a trip through history. <laughs> so I just think it's interesting. Like it is, you know, I think it is um, going to be interesting. I'm curious what you, you, your takes on this are. Like, I just have to say I'm really, really excited to find another Molly Stan. She's oh, such yeah. an important character in my life lately and I don't know anyone else who cares. <laughs> I yeah, I love Molly. I also watch like a, I used to watch a lot of first take. Um and then I was just like I can't handle this <laughs> cuz it was just that's when around the time they introduced uh Mad Dog to being like a recurring character on the show <laughs> and I was like this is too much for me. Like this is a lot of yelling. Yeah. Um and that's such a good way to say it too. It's like it really is. I think this is what I have come to love about it is that it's like 
there is really like a first take extended universe I'm I'm discovering and the show is basically like two hours of them like making inside jokes and like Stephen A getting really mad yeah like (laughs) because he knows that's his what he's supposed to do on the show it feels like and um and similar to the Manning cast honestly it's one of those things where I'm just like I can't believe they just let people do this with like zero direction. They just put a, put a camera in front of them for two hours every morning and let them say whatever the hell they want. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that's the magic of first take. It is. It <laughs> is. And I just like watch Molly like melting under the weight of these like idiot men every morning. There was uh, an episode recently, and then I'll stop talking about first take, but there was an episode recently where she came like really – she was dressed like beautifully as always. Like every episode, like she is dressed like she is going to like the fanciest dinner ever held, but she had like this like really nice red dress on, um, and Stephen A just kept like prodding her for information where he was just like – what do you got going on after this episode? Like, where are you going? And she's just like, you need to mind your business. Like, let's like keep the show rolling. I'm not going to tell you. It goes to commercial break. They come back out of commercial and he's like, we figured it out. And everyone's like freaking out on the set because they found out she had a date after the taping of the episode. I'm like, this oh my is God. Wait, isn't she married? She's not married. She was married to Jalen Rose, I think. And then I, they th- got- I think that's what I thought. Yeah, they got divorced, and then now she is she's playing the field. Oh my it's god, they got divorced in 2021. I'm so happy for her, Molly. Yeah. <laughs> we're rooting for you, girl. <laughs> she is out there now. She's th- putting herself back out there, which is awesome. God, um, good for her. And everyone else on the first take set seemed like thrilled. So, yeah, she deserves the world. She really deserves the world love her okay oh. sorry i'm really glad that we did that first take interlude i've been watching way too much to not talk about it for like <laughs> at least five minutes i just can't imagine going on a date after hanging out with Stephen a smith for hours. <laughs> but i guess yeah. if that's your every day he's used to it yeah <laughs> it's all it's all a matter of what what you're accustomed to in your life i suppose uh where where else were we on this? We've not we gotten to about, our. You're talking about gambling. That's how I got on first yeah. take to begin with. Uh, we've not yet gotten to our our football doofuses. Um, oh my god! I guess we have. We have talked about the Jets a little bit, and yeah, I I think that there is that obvious suffering that that you talk about, like being a Jets fan. Um, This has been such a weird time that like Jets fans, I don't think are ever really happy. And you guys can um, correct me on that if um, my feelings about it wrong. But like my mom always described herself as a long suffering Jets fan. And, like, my dad was also a Jets fan. They were, you know, Namath era hippie types. Um, I get it. Um, But I I also saw that, and I was like, I will like the Jets, but I'm not going to live this life. Um, they'll, they're the, they're either the one o'clock game or the four o'clock game. The Giants are the team that I am going to really root for and the jets are my afc team that is cool that is how it will be um giants fans experience joy and happiness i've i've experienced it several times um but this is the happiest that i've ever seen giants fans um you know with a bad team uh, this this Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, um, Renaissance, the, the two of them, Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson, Offensive Players of the Week, on the back page of the Daily News today saying, too good to be true, TWO. Um, 
this is the dumbest, most magical week for two absolutely dog crap football teams. Um, I shouldn't say the Jets are absolutely dog crap. The Jets, yeah, the Jets beat the Eagles. Come on, a really good defense, and they just beat the te- they wallop the Texans. I mm-hmm. still continue to refuse to absorb any details of that game and just let it be a mystery knowing that it was zero zero with all punts at the half and somehow then 30 to six and Zach Wilson wins offensive player of the week. He, he threw for like 300 yards. <laughs> he was looked. Yeah. He looked amazing. Like here's what I'll say. I, I said this on, what'd you say? I just said, what a joy to, and I hope the Jets fans can experience that little bit of joy, except that I know that it comes with, there's this dread of like, oh God, he played well enough. We might have to keep him. I mean, Ace, I would love your thoughts on this. So I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll tell you, you know, so I grew up in Utah. I uh, moved to New York, went to college there and when the Jets I, – I never really had a football team. And when the Jets drafted Zach Wilson, it was this, like, perfect marriage of this, like, hometown Mormon boy, my, you know, new hometown in New York. It's, like, beautiful little marriage of these things that was really funny to me. And so I was like, I'm a Jets fan now. And it was never that serious. I've never, like, felt that deeply emotionally invested in them. It's the funniest to me when Zach Wilson is a disaster who still has to play, at which I get every – I get that constantly. I, like, they've given me that for sure. But it is – I just have a lateness with the Jets that I'm just, like – they're the Jets. It's absolutely perfect and so funny to me the way – I mean, beginning with the Aaron Rodgers Achilles snap before he finishes a pass – Zach Wilson for like many weeks being the only quarterback to beat the Eagles, then getting benched, then having him come back and him saying, actually, I don't really feel like doing this, coming back, throwing for 300 yards in the second half only. Like it's just, I mean, it's just so hilarious and beautiful that it's like, it actually is one of the main sources of joy to me. It's just like the chaos and weirdness that are the Jets in a way that with the Mets, with Ferrari, it ruins my life. I have so much agony over when they have Jetsy moments. When the Jets do it, I'm like, thank you so much. Like, this is what God has asked you to do. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Ace? No, that's so true. I, <laughs> I like, checked out of, like, Jets fandom heavily when I started going to school um, in Western New York because it was, like, all Buffalo Bills all day all four years that I was there. So I was like, fuck it. Like you guys seem a little bit more fun um, than what I'm dealing with, with the jets. Like I will participate. I didn't, I never threw myself through a table, but like I will participate in the other parts of like your fandom. Um, And so that's been really pleasant. And, but then now they're like kind of dealing with that jets type suffering um, where it's like they are like, oh, you know, the Bills, they could never like close a deal and they could never win and X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, shit. So this is just like the same everywhere <laughs> for every football team, Um, at least with the Jets. Like you said, like it's funny, like the Aaron Rodgers game. I remember being so excited to be back like as an active like rooting fan of the Jets. And as soon as I saw him go down, I think I also just laughed. Like, I was just like, this is, this makes sense. Like I, I laughed so hard. Right. It's like, what's more, like, it was just so pure Jets energy. It was the purest yeah. Jets energy. Like, and I, you know, I always have like these little, like, f- you know, uh, fleeting thoughts when it comes to teams where it's like, huh, imagine like the worst possible thing that could happen to them happen today. Like that'd be crazy. And my first thought was like, wow, like this O-line is pretty bad. And we've known that for a really long time. Wouldn't it be crazy if Aaron Rodgers just got hurt <laughs> like oh, immediately man. upon stepping on the field? And yeah. So that was just funny, and this whole season for the Jets, like, they're not going to make the playoffs, but it'll be, like, fun if Zach Wilson just, like, lets it fly for the rest of the season and just, like, shows off. Um, that could be cute, but 
Zach yeah. Wilson revenge season. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's it's a good time. Um, and, oh, and then Tim Boyle apparently being like the whistleblower on like the whole Zach Wilson didn't want to play again thing. Like that was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, this is this is just like so many fun layers. <laughs> it really is. I love it. It really is. And, and I mean, it is so encapsulated by that Zach Wilson not wanting to play again. We, we talked about this last week, but it's just – it's still funny to me. It's still perfect. I love him so – I like unironically love him at this point. Like I really want the best for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what if Zach Wilson winds up with the Patriots and that's where Jesus. he has his revenge tour? Jesus Christ. Well, Belichick might leave, right? Yeah. So I don't know what kind of shakeups that could induce, but. I want to go back to the Bills for for a second. Yeah, Um, fine. Let's go back to the Bills. Instead of Belichick, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, That energy that they have right now is, and I was thinking about this as as you talked about, like, I listened to The Right Time with Bamai Jones. It's one of my favorite podcast and he's always saying that Patrick Mahomes is Jordan and I'm like the Buffalo Bills are the 1990s Knicks they are just like they are good enough to challenge Patrick Mahomes to make him fucking sweat to beat him in a regular season game to have all that heart behind him of of all the years of, of pain you know, just from getting so close and, and like always being a playoff team, but it's just not there at the end. And you're in a situation where like, there's nothing you can really do to add at this point. Like they do need kind of a rebuild and like, it's like, where do they even go? Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the near daily first take topics is what do we do about Josh Allen's interceptions? <laughs> Every day, it's wild. Every day, it'll be the opposite. We, as like, a society, <laughs> need to do about Josh Allen's interception. That's like literally how I feel like they approach it. It's that they're like, "How can we? How, what do we have to do as a society and a first take family about Josh Allen's interceptions?" But it is like I will say, I think it's interesting. Kind of this, like, I mean, speaking of kind of like casts of characters, the cast of kind of mid-20s quarterbacks in the NFL is is really fun to me right now. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Josh Allen. You have Tua, who I will go to war for. I love Tua so much. My As a left-handed person, I know he's not actually left-handed, but it's so important to me that he throws left-handed. Um, and my partner is a, a Dolphins fan. So I, so I have this weird, terrible thing where as a Jets fan, I – desperately want the Dolphins to do well for his happiness and the happiness of our household. (laughs) And because I love Mike McDaniel so much. But it is so annoying to me because I also hate the Chiefs. I I doubly hate the Bills as a Jets fan rooting for the Dolphins. But ultimately, I think that that was the most fun way for all of that to to shake out. Like, the Patrick Mahomes freak out, the, like – complete meltdown of of Chiefs fans. Bills fans are Bills fans. I have a very similar feeling about like them and Phillies fans. I'm always saying that I love Phillies fans because they're good at being fans. Bills fans are the same way. I'm like you guys know how to do this in a way that I respect deeply. So that like kind of ca- obviously you have Mac Jones, you have um Zach Wilson, you have uh I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Jalen Hurts. Like that kind of like crew of boys fascinates me. And and the ways that they're all like Trevor Lawrence too. Oh my God, Trevor Lawrence. Well, Trevor Lawrence is a little bit of an edge case to me. He's a little bit younger than a lot of them. And then you have those rookies who are in the league this year. I would love to see Trevor Lawrence making himself a little bit more of a character in this space though. Word. Yeah, the Bills. I think Joe Burrow's got that part figured out. Oh my God, duh, Joe Burrow. Sorry, sir. Love you, <laughs> King. Yeah, no, the Bills. Anytime they play the the Chiefs, it's like an event um, for anyone that I know in Western New York, which is like 
not too many people, but like the ones I know, they make up for like 10 Bills fans just like alone. That's so real. That's so <laughs> real. I know I think I have three friends who are Bills fans and I literally feel like I know hundreds of Bills fans. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Like the, the, the way that, like you said, the way they fan is just very overwhelming. The way they tailgate. I went to a tailgate with my friend, a Buffalo tailgate for a preseason game and they were bugging the fuck out at this preseason tailgate. It was amazing. That's um, incredible. And yeah, no, I, I I really did it did tickle me to see the Chiefs like meltdown at the end of that game. Um I think the Chiefs are like the Dodgers in that sense. Yes. I think that's a perfect comparison. You're also catching onto the vibe of this show very well, which is that we just <laughs> we, we we explain everything through baseball. Like it's like we can always go back to be like, anyway, they're the Yankees. Um but it is so real that like the Chiefs are the Dodgers to me in this way too of um, Chiefs fans and Dodgers fans have that like weird sense of being like feeling oppressed that I'm like, that's not real. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you're sure. delusional. That's how I feel. The you're Yankees. not a victim here. Sure. The Yankees too, where it's like, I, I could say it as a fan where it's like, I will 100% take the heat on how the fans complain about a failed season like last year, where it's like, okay, that was your first failed season in history. <laughs> Let's relax a little bit. And then you went out and got Juan Soto. So like, you're definitely not going to do that again. So no need to like freak out. But yeah, the Yankees are definitely in that boat too. There is a little bit of a vibe of because we would be wrong to not at least mention the name Max Verstappen on this podcast. <laughs> there is a little Max Verstappen. There is this vibe. So Red Bull, who Max Verstappen drives for, has created the most elite Formula One car, like maybe ever. It is so dominant. It's like a perfect Jesus. fucking car. And Jesus. Yeah, I mean, they're cheating for sure. They're cheating, but so are the Yankees. So this comparison is going to uh -huh. work just fine. So there's this like very funny thing where Max will complain about the car. He wins these races by like 30 seconds and then he'll be like, the braking is really bad. Like it's like Red Bull fans will complain about this car. And and you, there's literally video of other drivers like hearing him complain, being like, what the actual fuck like you think that you get to talk shit about your perfect car that you're winning races by 30 seconds in like it's like that is often to me how I feel like Dodgers fans are acting and like Chiefs fans are acting I'm like get over yourselves you won like five Super Bowls and you have Taylor Swift get over yourselves kills me you're in the Red Bull. You have Patrick Mahomes. He's Jordan. I think that's a. I think that's fair. God, I will say, the fact that he was like, this could affect Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame candidacy. I was like, literally, shut the fuck up. Like, there is no instance where someone can make a mistake in a singular game that will affect their entire Hall of Fame candidacy unless it's like Merkel's boner. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Kadarius Tony's boner. It's going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. That one play is the reason that Kadarius Tony will not be in the exactly. Hall of Fame. Which, mm -hmm. have either of you guys been to Canton? No. There's no real good reason to go. Um, I only went because I was driving in Ohio, um, and it was along the way. That place is weird. It's a lot of, lot of just heads. Just, just a big old room full of heads. Just heads. How does it compare yeah, to Cooperstown? It, um, it's it's nothing. You know, it's. The Basketball Hall of Fame is honestly better since they renovated it. The Basketball Hall of Fame rules now. Um, I love the Basketball Hall of Fame. I can't wait to go again because I've stopped going because I no longer need to drive to Massachusetts to buy weed. <laughs> Yay. And there was there's an awesome weed shop like right off of I-91, like next to the fucking Hall of Fame. It's awesome. And that's where I used to um, drive up to. Um 
but now no longer no longer necessary um here in this uh what am i lamenting i'm lamenting that i don't have to drive three hours and then like maybe stop at the basketball hall of fame um i'm the dumbest person on earth uh this has been an episode i had something else to wrap up on but no i'm just the dumbest person on earth this has been an episode of casual diehard i hope that you will join us again uh rate us and review give us five stars and subscribe and all that and ace uh where on the we we know that you are from the internet but where else on the internet can we find you um i am on twitter um at candace underscore pedraza um that might be it <laughs> and you can read my stuff um in the Knicks wall that is where i do writing on the Knicks. uh i also do some wnba content too with winsider which is w and then insider but then missing no an e. i in the in yeah. that word um and yeah that's pretty much it um those two places and but mostly on twitter just complaining about nick's twitter on twitter I have one more complaint uh, before before we go. Uh, the Indiana Fever winning the draft lottery for the second straight year. Yeah. Um, fuck to the Indiana Pacers. Um, I know that Oscar Shibiwe uh, deserves that basketball, and Giannis uh, Giannis can can um, get another basketball when he scores sixty five points. He has plenty of basketballs. <laughs> Um, also, you scored 64 against the 2023-24 Pacers. Like, big whoop. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, I, I look forward to having another... I, I don't look forward to it. I've hated the Pacers enough in my life. I've given too much emotional energy to hatred of a basketball team from a place where I most notably, like, when I went there ate at Buffalo Wild Wings because it's what was available and it really felt appropriate. It is the Buffalo Wild Wings of cities. Um, St. Elmo's is overrated. Don't let people tell you it's good. It's good. It's just not as good as people build it up to be. Um, Reggie Miller is forever a choke artist and uh, not a good announcer. And uh, I would like him out of my life. And I don't need both Caitlin Clark and Leah Boston on the Indiana Fever, um, especially when the Liberty have not yet gotten the ring. It's yeah, it's rude. Quite honestly, we do got to get that Liberty. We do got to get that Liberty ring. They were Let's they were uh, they were close. Um, unfortunately, they decided for some reason to have the worst three point shooter on the team take the last three point shot. Uh, in an elimination game so <laughs> what a beautiful full circle ending we've come to there <laughs> oh my gosh yeah josh hart anyway <laughs> that's about it i was trying to forget about game four love you and Indiana, they're gonna end up with the Hawks and the Heat While the Knicks sweep them with the broom So your season don't end till the middle of June Don't ever count out the Knicks team Cause in a blink, the squad's down 16 So if you think you can beat us, you're just a dreamer The Knicks, we don't lose in our home arena Say-